Welcome to the Adventure for Good podcast. We're your hosts, Chris and Kim. In June 2018, we both left our careers at the age of 31 and started traveling with the mission of finding and creating work locally in the United States and around the world that inspires us while helping other people and the environment. This podcast documents our adventures as well as highlights the inspirational people that we meet along the way. We hope you enjoy. I'm waiting on you. <laughs> okay. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode four. Today, we're going quattro. to... Quattro. Yeah, quattro. You Good. wanted me to use Spanish words. <laughs> you know one your of, One of our listeners said we had to use more Spanish. So, quattro. <laughs> Suggested Spanish. Anyway, this episode is going to discuss our bus travel that we experienced in Ecuador and Peru, along with some of our experiences in Chachapoyas, Peru. But first, before we jump into that, we wanted to at least tell you all where we're at right now. Because Another listener suggestion. <laughs> Another listener same, suggestion. Same listener. <laughs> Thank um, you, Maria. <laughs> We miss you. Anyway, we are currently in the Bolivian jungle. We are living in, I guess, what are we, about two hours from Santa Cruz, Bolivia? Yeah, we're we're on the edge of the Amboro National Park, just outside of a little town called Buena Vista of, I don't know, a couple thousand people maybe. Yeah. And so the loud jungle noises you hear is apparently in the last week. All of the cicadas and crickets and everything, it's its spring here. Yeah. So everything has woken up and it's... Come alive. It's deafening. And so, sorry for the ambiance. <laughs> yeah. We're sitting in our room here that we're staying in and it's just screened in windows. So we don't have the option of tuning out the insects. So, sorry about that. You're going to have to deal with us talking over all of the insects in the background yeah okay oh so we were supposed to talk about the temperature (laughs) it is currently about 95 degrees fahrenheit (laughs) i don't think it's it's that high in here currently 95 percent humidity (laughs) and all of our clothes are molding (laughs) that that is true our clothes are molding it is very hot and humid in the jungle and we'll we'll talk more about that when we get to our jungle episodes yes but right now let's travel back to when we were in chachapoyas actually how did we get there first bus (laughs) long bus rides so we started in Puerto Cayo. We had spent the month of June in Puerto Cayo, Ecuador, doing the work away that like we discussed on the last episode. Episode three. Yeah. <laughs> Trace. <laughs> You're so good at the Spanish thing. I know. You're almost fluent. You know, know. You know the numbers. I know them all. Anyway, so yeah, we left Puerto Cayo by bus. Uh, we went to a small town near Puerto Cayo called... Hippie Hoppa got on... Which I love that name, by the way. Hippie Hoppa! Which we learned is a plant. Yeah, it's a plant. I didn't know that. It makes so much more sense now. Anywho, we got on a two-hour bus, just a normal, like, you would see, like, a Greyhound bus. From there to a um, city called Guayaquil, also in Ecuador, and from there... Well, Guayaquil is actually a pretty big city. They have an airport. An international airport. Yeah, if anyone's looking to fly into Ecuador, that's a good option that's further south than Quito. And from there, we got on a much larger double-decker sort of 
I would say luxury bus, but it's standard Peruvian bus. It was a company called Cruz del Sur. So just some background on how we got like the bus tickets. So they have a very nice website where you can go on and pick the days and the seats and all you know the the schedule, just like you were booking flights on Delta or mm-hmm. any major airline. So super modern. A lot of it was in Spanish. We had to figure that out. Yeah, but, <laughs> but it's a super modern, super easy system. Um, we booked the flights. We walked into the Guayaquil bus station. Um, we didn't know really what to do, so we we didn't book flights. We booked the yeah. They were they were bus flights, <laughs> and then we so we found the Cruz del Sur sort of stall. I yeah, guess in you the could Guayaquil say. bus station. Yeah, and we we didn't really know what to expect or how the system worked. But we we basically went up there and showed him our tickets. He took our tickets, then we gave him our bags just like we were at an airport. He weighed them tagged them and like put them in the back room and then we he basically was like okay you're all set yeah we had like four hours i think but or three hours before our bus so that was really nice we didn't have to lug around our big backpacks but it was also a little scary because we had no idea whether (laughs) our bags were ever going to show up again that's true we really didn't know what what they were going to do with them (laughs) yeah so so we wandered around the bus station for an uh you know three four hours got some lunch and then we went up and stood by our bus what we thought was our bus turned out it was our bus but we waited and waited and waited and then like five minutes before we were supposed to leave it was very it was very formal and much more so than we had expected they came out um they set up a video camera Mm -hmm. and a little table i don't know how much of that was for show but i think it's a combination of for show and to document who was on the bus in case something happens yeah they have video documentation of who got on the bus so yeah they filmed the whole like boarding process and right before that they brought in our bags and you watched them load them on and got on the bus and, we had to show our passports yeah, before we got on the bus. Yeah, because we were crossing a border. Um, yeah, and away we went. And, and for this one, we so this double decker bus, which are really nice, and we chose the upper level seats because we wanted they were the cheapest. We wanted to experience that. Uh, and I think that what was that about an eight hour bus ride? Yeah, it was eight hours. But we crossed the border from Ecuador to Peru, which took some time. But it was an easy process. Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. I think the you know the again you're going back to the different types of seats. So typically in these long bus rides, you have two options. You have the the standard class, which is usually up top, and they're nice seats. They recline a decent amount. Mm-hmm. They're they're nicer than any airplane seats. Yeah. Um, and then down below, you've usually got maybe like. 15 to maybe 16 seats maximum. Yeah. And they're gigantic. Like some of them are reclined fully flat into beds or more common is the semi bed, which will recline to like 165 degrees. Yeah. Semi comma buses. And they're, they're super nice. They're like the big movie recliner seats Mm -hmm. that you can see now. Like, um, yeah, we had, you'd have tons of room. We use those later on, but yeah. So the, the, the seats were fine. They brought us food. We had movies if we wanted them in Spanish. Yes, yeah, Spanish movies. And the ride was fine. No no problems there. We did find we couldn't watch the movies, though, because we got sick. That's true. <laughs> it was a little bit rough and um, curvy, and watching a movie in Spanish while you're trying to read the subtitles <laughs> was not a good idea. So, yeah, so we got to the border of Ecuador and Peru, and we were kind of nervous about this because we had read a lot online about 
different people having horror stories of crossing the border where they basically kick you off the bus and then make you walk for like uh, you know a couple hundred yards to the to cross the border and then you maybe get on another bus or you have taxis coming after you trying to sell you all sorts of stuff and we had our experience was super super mm-hmm. easy we, yeah and we crossed at the town of Juanquillas Juanquillas yeah Ecuador right right near the coast and yeah so we, we basically pulled in our bus driver unloaded all of us he escorted us all in well one of the bus drivers so the buses actually had two or three four I think four and they alternate every like three or four hours I don't know there was a big long video about their safety practices but yeah so they escorted us into this into the building where we went through immigration to exit Ecuador and we waited in line for like a half hour and he waited with all of us made sure every single one of us got through he was also flirting with the the immigration person yeah, well, <laughs> got to do what you got to do. But then, yeah, so then he made sure we all got through, walked us all back out. We all got back on the bus. We drove for like five minutes. Mm-hmm. Then we showed up at the Peruvian side, the Peruvian side, the inbound for Peruvian. And the process basically repeated itself. And he walked us into a building, waited for everybody, made sure everybody got through, helped translate with the immigrations if you needed it. And then made sure everyone got back on the bus. And one smart thing we did here is we we had to um, we when we were waiting up for other people to get back on the bus, we went over to the ATM and got some Peruvian souls out of the ATM. And we actually went and bought an ice cream just so that we would have small change, and also because we wanted an ice cream. But having small change, we knew we were going to get into the next town later at night, and we wanted to have enough money uh, in small bills to pay a taxi so yeah because they typically aren't going to want to break a a hundred or five hundred whatever the atm gives you yeah yeah. for for a five soul taxi ride so yeah so we we had a few minutes there we got a snack we got some money and we got back on the bus yeah we made our way to mancora a few more hours down the road and i think we landed or got there about 10 o'clock at night yeah i think we actually got there a few minutes early so the whole the whole bus ride itself was actually not very long it, we spent over two hours at the border between Everything. getting uh, getting everyone across so it really wasn't a bad process. Everything was easy. Had a good time. Yeah. And then we, we stayed one night in the little town of Mancora, Peru, which is on the coast. It's a beach town. And we stayed at a really nice little hostel called La Quebrada. Quebrada? I can't say that. How's that, that Spanish working out there? <laughs> Be nice. <laughs> La, La Quebrada. Yeah. And we had most of the next day in Mancora because our bus didn't leave till that night. So we spent the whole day walking around, and I remember we had a really nice lunch at a restaurant by the beach. And Bought a hat for you. I bought a hat. Yeah, that was exciting. Yeah, I, I don't know. It was just kind of like a chill surfer beach town. Yeah, it'd be fun to spend a couple of days there, but you probably wouldn't want too much more time. It's not very big, but it is, it's just very chill and relaxing. Uh, and also, I think there's a pretty big party scene at night, too. But I have no idea. We didn't experience that. That night, we got up on another bus. This time, the company was called Alturza, I believe. Mm-hmm. And that one was only a six-hour bus ride from Mancora down the coast to a city called Chiclayo. 
And we actually got there much faster than we thought. <laughs> yeah, which is awesome because, actually it wasn't awesome, it was really frustrating because uh, we showed up at the bus station and they kept telling us the bus was delayed, the bus was delayed, the bus was delayed. And so we left two hours late and we arrived three hours early. I don't know. It was like, it ended up being like a three hour bus ride instead of the eight hour bus ride. Which which was fine, except uh, we arrived in a city that we've been told and read about that wasn't super safe. No, it was a pretty and, dangerous. And we arrived at three in the morning. And so it wasn't. Yeah, we were not happy about that. But we made it to our hotel. We got checked in. There was no issues. Um, wasn't the nicest hotel in the world, but we everything was just fine. Yep, we were only there for a few hours, so we made the best out of it. And the next day, we actually had the day another day in Chicalaya while we waited for our next bus that night. And we spent the whole day at this Cafe 900 that we found, which is if you're I think, in, I think it's 900 S. Oh, it might be. But, yeah. Either way, it was a fantastic cafe. Um, they had great food, great service, and we got to know the owner, and she was wonderful. So they were very welcoming and let us sit there and work on our computers and just hang out for the whole day, which was really nice. Yeah, it was It was a really cool little cafe. They, they do a lot of, like, artists and foods, and she's trying to, like, really... I don't know, put really good food out there and we watched the World Cup was going on, so yeah. they were everyone was into it and yeah, we were sat there for like eight or nine hours and <laughs> yeah. we ate I think all of our meals that day there and they kept they brought us free desserts and free drinks to try and so we took a picture yeah. with them and we'll yeah, post so, it on our website. Yeah, it was awesome. They were really it was really fantastic to meet them and spend the day there and then we went back to the bus station, and this time we were on a Cruise Del Sur bus again, and we upgraded our seats to the bottom level that for this bus because it was going to be about 10 to 12 hours, I think. Yeah, and, and through the night. Through the night, through the mountains. So that that, that bus ride was uneventful. We Yeah, it, we slept most of the way, actually. Yeah. We made it to Chachapoyas early in the morning. Like 6 a.m.? Yeah. On a Wednesday morning, we went and got some breakfast from um, the restaurant. It was cold. It was freezing cold. It was very cold. It was, I forgot about that yeah, part. Yeah, we went up uh, how many thousand feet in elevation? So we went from the coast up to 7,661 feet where Chachapoyas is, or for meters, it's 2,335 meters above sea level. And so... It was cold. Yeah. Um, Chachapoyas is a town of about 20,000 people. It's in the high Amazonas region of Peru. And, yeah, it's much colder than we were prepared for. Well, much colder than the beach at the equator. Yeah, which we had been living in for the last five weeks. So, anyway, we had set up a workaway at this in Chachapoyas, and we were planning to spend three weeks at the workaway. So we went to their house that morning on Wednesday when we got there and got settled in and then spent the day getting to know our hosts. And they it was a couple and they had a small child who was about one and a half years old. Yeah, they were in their mid-30s, I think. It was a Peruvian guy and his wife who was from the U.S. And we thought we were going to be helping them develop some tourism, some ecotourism, and helping with some small communities up in the, in the mountains 
friends that that were trying to develop horse guiding trips and stuff to to bring some income into their communities because there's not a whole lot of economy up there. Yeah, that's what we had agreed upon before we arrived. And when we got there, the, the couple was very nice, but we realized quickly that our role was more to... Go. We were going to be housemaids. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to be a little nicer about it. But well, we, I'm not. <laughs> we ended up doing the shopping, cooking, and cleaning. Um, every single day for every single meal. Yeah. And, yeah, so we had to wake up, go to the store, buy all the groceries, make breakfast, clean up breakfast, make lunch, clean up lunch, make dinner, clean up dinner. Clean, and, and clean, clean in between. And clean in between. And so we did that for... Eight hours a day, nine hours a day, and we did that for four days, and then we said, eh, I think we're done with this. Yeah, so we arrived there on a Wednesday, and by Saturday, we had realized that we did not want to stay the full three weeks. It, we didn't feel like it was the right fit, uh, and we knew we weren't going to be happy there for three weeks, and that's a long time not to be happy, so... Four days was a long time. <laughs> I know. So... We talked to the couple and told them that we just didn't think it was the right match and decided to leave. And that Sunday morning, we... Hostel hunter. Yeah, we went on, went on our own hostel hunter's version of Chachapoyas to try to find a place to stay. It only took us to the second option. Yep. Uh, we found a little hostel called, I can never say it. Nunurco. Nunurco, yes. It's, it's the N with the... Enye. Uh, N- well, I know what it's called, but most people don't know it's called an Enye. <laughs> so it's the N with the squiggly above the top. It's called an Enye. And so there's two of them. It's like Nunurco. Anyway. Not our, not, not important. No, but it was only $18 a night, and that sold us for it for a week. So we wanted to stay in Chachapoyas a little bit longer to see some of the sites. It was a really nice city and beautiful area. You're in the high jungle. So we decided to book a room at the hostel for the week and spend our time doing some tourist things and then go on uh, to our next destination a little bit earlier than originally planned. Yeah, so one of, one of the things about this area, a lot of people know in Peru of, the hell's that place called? Machu Picchu. Machu Picchu. But this area, the high jungle, the Chachapoyas area, is actually the archaeological capital of Peru. And yes. so there's... There's tons of, like, caves with um, lots of, like, bones and sarcophagi and mm-hmm. all sorts of really... Can you explain what a sarcophagi is? Yeah, it's where they've, like, entombed people that were high or important people. Mm-hmm. Um, very similar to, like, if you were to go to see the pyramids in Giza. Yeah. But... So there's there's tons of archaeological sites, ancient cities that are, you know, there's remains of ancient cities and lots of stuff to see. So there's a lot of different tour companies in Chachapoyas, which got us into a little bit of an awkward... <laughs> Yeah. situation. So. Yeah. so that Sunday when we moved hostels, we wanted we went to go see what tours we wanted to do. And we, No, no. What happened was 
we talked to the hostel owner because when we checked in, we met Manuel. Uh huh. And he was telling us about all the tours that they offered, and we were like, well, we didn't know that it was that he ran like an actual tour company. We thought he was just like a guy trying to sell us some tours. So we yeah. wanted to go. It wasn't quite clear. We thought it was a hostel and not as much of a tour company. We found yeah. out later he has a legit tour company business. But yeah, so we so he told us all of his prices, and we talked about everything. And then we walked into town and found a couple of different tour companies, and we found one that was going to save us to do, like, the same three tours. We were going to save, like, $10. Yeah, and which so isn't we, very much. And so we booked with them because we're like, well, we know they're a legit tour company, and, and so, That yeah. was the more. We, we really felt like it was the, a legitimate right. company. And so, so we went back to the, ho- the, to the hotel that night. And he was always there. He was a super friendly guy. We got to know him really well. And he was like, oh, hey, how's your day going? Did you decide if you want to do some tours? And we're like, oh, we're still trying to decide. And we, like, (laughs) made up some excuses. I felt so bad. He was so nice. And then the next day we went on our first tour, which which we'll talk about. But uh, we went into some caves and looked at some, some runes. And we come out of the caves and his tour van is parked next to our tour van and he's leaning on the side of it <laughs> waving at us as we come out of the caves. <laughs> so, so, so he totally knew we were lying. Yeah, so we so we went up and talked to him and told him we were sorry and he laughed about it and told us it wasn't a problem and then No, he was super nice and then really we, cool we went about and, it. We went and canceled our other tours with the other tour company and switched to his tour company. We did so. and he really he got us one of the best tours of the week, which we'll talk about in a minute. So he was me and well was his name and definitely yeah. amazing person and if you ever get a chance to go to Chachapoyas stay at his hostel uh, because it's close to town it's really nice and it's, it's in town yeah it's inexpen- inexpensive as well yep so anyway back to the caves tour so the first one was we went to the Kyoto Caverns and here Kyokta Kyokta Caverns and here they gave us rubber boots We and we walked through the caves there's no path or any lights in there we just had a flashlight and that was really, it was really cool. When we got to the back of it, uh, it was pretty deep in the cave, and our guide had us turn off all the lights and just experience how dark it was. And that was really intense, just to take in that pure darkness. Yeah, I think, I think the other neat thing about this tour, well, there was two things. The, the first is they told us that at some point soon that there's a, a Japanese investment company that's wanting to come in and build like an actual path in there, which I understand from the perspective of preserving this cave and that, that it's needed, but... You know, if you've ever been to, like, Mammoth Caves or something, you know, there's there's lights and railings and steps and everything. And we, we were literally just tromping through the mud on rocks and through puddles. And mm-hmm. there was a string that kind of, like, laid in the mud. So I think if everyone's lights burned out, we, could, out. we could follow that string back out. But there was no official, like, that this was an official thing other than the gate at the yeah. front of the thing. So that was kind of neat. And it was also a little bit creepy because that was the... The same, like, the week after all of the the boys' soccer team got got trapped in the cave in in Thailand. Mm -hmm. So that was what I was thinking about the whole time. I was, too. That was a little nervous. But no, it was awesome. And while you're walking through, the guide's telling you about basically the purpose that these caves were used for was a burial ground. And so... They had found lots of bones of people. They, like, had them sitting up on the rocks. So we saw these, like, 
ancient skeletons. Yeah. There, there was no glass. There it was it was pretty real. It was awesome. So. Yeah, super real. And then we walked out and saw our tour guide. Yeah. <laughs> Or our hostel owner. Then that afternoon, we went to, it's called Karhia, and it's the sarcophagi, which are what's built to protect the tomb, I guess. They were about three meters tall, and they are way up on yeah, the cliff side. You can't, you can't get to them. Yeah, so it's, it's an interesting thing. There's like, uh, archaeologists have found hundreds and hundreds of these all over this region, but these ones are some of the best preserved and there's there's just a couple of them, and, and basically you walk down this dirt road out of this village, just a small village, and you walk about two or three kilometers down into the side of this cliff, and then you're walking along and then just up probably about... 150 feet up on this sheer rock face, there's these, like, statues, like mm-hmm. mummified statues of, of these ancient, you know, indigenous people that were from this region. And so they don't really know how they got up there or, how you know, whether they found a way to build them up there or they were built and then it eroded underneath them. They, You know, there's lots of theories. But anyway, it's pretty neat. Yeah. To see. They were built by the Chachapoyas people. The Chachapoyas, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was our first day of tours. And actually, I wanted just to mention our guide. We were told that he spoke English, but we were really surprised at how good his English was. But was even more impressive is that his native language was Spanish. He also spoke English. He also spoke German and French and was learning Quechua, which Quechua is a local language. An indigenous yeah. language. Yeah. Which, I don't know, was super impressive. When he started turning around and talking to other tourists in German and in French, I was, I was impressed. Yeah. no, Because I can't learn languages like that. So the next day, we went on another tour. We went to... A with place. the original tour company, because the tour guide was awesome. Yeah, we did. We stayed with that one just for this next day. We went to a place called Quailap, and it was, what, maybe an hour drive? I can't remember yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was an hour drive, and it's, it's like the... It's the Machu Picchu of this area. Yeah, it's the biggest attraction for sure. And they, in 2016 or 2017, they built a cable car network to go here, which prior to that it was only accessible by like a six-hour hike. Yeah, and it's the Coilap is in fort, well, city fort. Walled they, city. It's a walled city that was built literally on the top of a mountain. Yeah. And it was home to the Chachapoyas people. So it's it, when you say a six-hour hike, it's literally a six-hour hike straight up the side of a mountain. And yeah. so a couple of years back, I think it was only 18 months ago, the the French uh, a French investment company came in and built this gondola cable car system mm-hmm. to take you up to the top. And so, which was really nice. Yeah, and yeah, beautiful. It was amazing. The city overlooks a valley, so going in the cable car, you go way down and then you go way up, and it was incredible. I don't know. That was one of my favorite parts of the day, just experiencing that cable car. And the whole civilization was abandoned in the 1500s. So it was, I don't know, it was impressive. We spent the whole day walking around and our tour guide showed us, talked to us about all of the the different activities that the people did in the city. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty neat. It was, if, if you're in the area, definitely it's worth the day. And we met those cool people from Belgium. Yeah, we have some new Belgian friends. We took some pictures with them. Anyway, 
the third day, we actually switched to our companies and went with our hostel, and this was our best day yet. The other days were good, but this was by far the best. He convinced us to go canyoning, and we were really skeptical about this because we didn't know how safe it was going to be, but Manuel convinced us to go with this Spaniard who had come to Chachapoyas and put together this canyoning experience. Yeah, we had done canyoning back in 2011 when I was living in Germany. We went and did some in the Swiss Alps, and it was like it was super expensive, and it yeah. was really official, and it was awesome. And this was this was incredible because so so the whole day started with we you know we didn't take a tour bus and pack in with a whole bunch of tourists. The hostel owner picked a like he came in the morning, um, picked us up in his his jeep yeah and grabbed one other guy who was coming on the tour with us so there was four of us and basically he drove us personally out into the middle of nowhere where this guy who was running the the tour from the guy from spain was running the tour we met him in a town we had breakfast at a like a local person's house Mm -hmm. Um, they made us breakfast and coffee and all that and then we went up into this area in in Peru, there is there's like seven or eight amazing waterfall. Like yeah, it's near the town of Quispes. Yep, and so we met this guy. We put on like his his name was Juan Luis, by the way. Juan Luis. We met Juan Luis, and he yeah he had all his gear, and uh, he had a guide, uh, an assistant that he's teaching from the from this small local town right by there that. Um, he's sort of teaching them about tourism and how to how to work with tourists and customer service. And so it was Juan Luis and his assistant, and they took the four of us canyoning. And this was actually the first time that Manuel had ever done it. And turns out this was, we were like some of the first, you know, 150, 200 people that have ever done this tour. This tour because he's he's just starting it and he's still sort of he, he's been canyoning for years and years and years he knows it very well but he's he's still refining the route and the in the tour company that he's starting so we got to do and experience something that, that not very many people experience yeah and so, which was why it was one of our favorite things and and so for anyone who doesn't know what canyoning is basically in this one we started at the foot of a i don't know couple hundred foot waterfall yeah and in sort of the plunge pool of the waterfall and then you basically rappel and slide down rocks and go over other waterfalls as you work your way down a river yeah or or a canyon and so you know we would strap in and rappel down a 50 foot fall and then we would yeah slide through rocks and under rocks and stuff so and before we had started he did Juan Luis did go over the skills with us and practice with them on that rock face at oh, the yeah, beginning. Yeah. So we've really felt pretty safe the whole time. Yeah, no, it was totally totally legitimate and safe and everything, but it was it's it was sort of like uh, being in at the ground level of a of a startup. So yeah. that was really neat. And then part of that tour that was really cool after we did that, we ate lunch that part of the tour included lunch. And then the guy that was his assistant from the local town took us on a, I think it was about a two-hour hike, yeah. maybe two-and-a-half-hour hike. And we had no idea, but we we crossed, like, three major waterfalls. Mm-hmm. And then we wound up standing at the foot of the sixth-highest waterfall in the world, and we were literally the only five people there. It's actually the fifth-highest. Fifth-highest? Yeah. Did it get bigger? 
I just looked it up hmm. to double check. The fifth tallest waterfall at 895 meters or 2,938 feet. So anyway, it's it's a big waterfall, and it's <laughs> it's amazing. And the craziest part is there was no one else there. Yeah, I mean, that was the craziest part. You go we to yeah. all to ourselves. So it was beautiful. We all had a stack there and turned around and stopped at each of the uh, waterfalls on the way back again and the Mirador or the lookout point. Yeah. So all in all, it was amazing. We're super happy we met Manuel. We're super happy we stayed at his hostel. Yeah. And that was our favorite day in Chachapoyas. Yeah, we took a sort of a rest day. The next day we went up and there's a canyon that that they call, I think they call it the Grand Canyon of Peru. Yeah. It's it's, a pretty big canyon. It's, It's it's amazing. It's impressive. Yeah, it's um, only 15 minutes from Chachapoyas. It's called Sanchi Canyon, and it's in the city uh, or the town of Huancas. And it's th- over 3,000 feet down. That's what yeah. I wanted to look up because that was it was huge, and it was not what we were expecting. I guess <laughs> it was a lot bigger than we thought. Yeah, no, it was amazing, and we even tried to fly the drone over it. <laughs> yeah, you freaked out a little bit about that. So yeah, it was like dead calm. At the where we were on on the rim of the canyon, and and again, this is one of those things where there was maybe like ten people yeah. that we saw, and we walked for we walked along the rim of the canyon for thirty forty minutes, and we saw maybe half a dozen dozen people total. Yeah, yeah, and this is I mean, if this was in the U.S., it would be overrun with tourist shops and yeah, it was yeah, so it was crazy. Remarkable. But anyway. It was dead calm, and then as soon as the drone went out over the canyon, there was all sorts of like updrafts, <laughs> and I thought it was gonna, I thought it was gonna blow my drone away. I know you were a little scared, so so we landed it pretty quick. Yeah, there's all oh, there was also the double rainbow into the canyon. Yep, well, definitely, pictures will be available yeah. at adventureforgood.com. Yeah, <laughs> good job. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was our rest day was the hike. Along the canyon. Mm-hmm. Friday, we had met a family at our hostel, and they were all from Ireland. And we wanted to show them our the Umbilla Falls or the Umbia. Oh damn it! Umbilla, the Umbilica Falls. <laughs> <laughs> we wanted to show them the Umbia. How do you say it? Umbia. Umbia. I did say it right. No, you call that Umbilla. <laughs> Anyway, I'm the worst. I can't pronounce stuff in English, let alone Spanish. Yeah, so so they um, they told us some stuff that they were planning to do, and we told them about this, and they said that sound that sounds way more fun, but we weren't able to wrangle another tour, so we became the guides. Yeah, we turned into tour guides for the day. We figured out how to get a bus uh, from. Chachapoyas to Quispays, and then we figured out how to get some little moto taxis, moto taxis up, or up this, yeah, up to this town. So I anyway, forgot about that. We were that was it's literally a motorcycle with a little like um, a double seat on the back on the back, and we went up this mountain in this little tuk tuk. Yeah, we were in that thing for like an hour and a half. I know it took a long time. It was but, an adventure, but we got up there and. We we told so this was the other amazing part to me was we told the guys in the the little moto taxis that we were going to be back at the front at, at the trailhead at three o'clock and they said okay we'll come back and pick you up 
And we were thinking that there's no way they're ever going to come back and pick us up. No. So you know, we went and did the hike. We showed these guys everything we saw. We the Irish family. Yeah, the Irish family. We ate lunch. Um, it was a. It was a. It was two brothers who were, you know, in their 40s or 50s, and and all of their kids. So it was really neat. There was yeah. like five of them, right? Yeah. And so we did this hike with them. We came back. We got there at exactly 3 o'clock, and the taxis weren't there. Yeah. So we're like, oh, now we, we're going to walk down to the town, which it's fine walking, but it was a, it was a ways. No, it would have taken us a good hour and a half to walk. Yeah. But it, at 3.05... The taxi showed up. Yeah. And everything was golden. We were they were convinced that we weren't all going to be there at 3 o'clock, so they wanted, I think it was like 3.15. They were a little bit yeah. late because they people were never on time for that hike. I don't know. It was impressive that yeah. that they showed up, and it was a long drive for them, too. So, yeah, it was really neat. And we got to see the fifth highest waterfall in the world twice. Yes. I know. It was remarkable. Next, next what happened? We left Chachapoyas, but um, I know before oh, that. Oh, we had to take that bus. Yeah, we had to take the bus. Again, another bus. But before that, we wanted to just talk about some of our favorite things in Chachapoyas. We spent the week and a half that we were there exploring the city, trying different restaurants. <clears throat> we found a lot of places in South America do a lunch special, which is called a menu, and they'll give you a soup and a dish for a really reasonable price. I think it was a few dollars. A soup and a dish? A dish to hold the soup? Mm, or do you mean like a soup and then a, a full meal? A, a meal. full meal. And a drink. And a drink. And sometimes a dessert, depending. Yeah, and I, so the typical... Menu in Chachapoyas cost around eighteen to twenty souls, which would be um, roughly six bucks. Oh no, no, no! They were cheaper than that. They They were were like twelve, yeah, twelve to fifteen, which would be four to five dollars. So yeah, it was it was awesome, and yeah. And then our favorite thing for dinner was. I think Chris got a little bit hooked on the poyerias. Yeah, it's basically a rotisserie chicken cooked over a fire, and then they serve it with, like, three pounds of French fries. Yeah, you were hooked on those. Yeah, but you could get the whole—we could both eat dinner for $7. I know. It was pretty impressive. There was also a lot of— uh, cake shops and yeah an amazing amount of cakes a lot of cake shops different bakeries we did not eat the best that week but it was it was really fun trying everything the other the only other thing i wanted to mention about chachapoyas was um and this is something we found over and over again in the cities and towns we've been in was incredibly safe yeah we we would walk around at night it was well lit it was everyone was super nice and friendly we never we never ever felt unsafe when we were there a week and a half we walked again, we, we walked, walked around at night a lot too yeah and we had actually we asked our hostel owner if it was an unsafe city at all and he said no because if anyone did you know rob a tourist or do anything like that they would be shunned in the community because the town relies on tourism yeah so they needed to be a safe space for people to come and visit uh, which yeah it's great so yeah the last day we were there we woke up and 
Manuel, of course, said he had to be the one who drove us to the bus station. Yep. For free. Wouldn't take any money. I know. So he drove us to the bus station, and we got on a bus that was going to (sighs) be... You okay? It was a long bus ride. <laughs> it was 24 hours from Chachapoyas to Lima, Peru, and there were uh, no stops other than we stopped once, I think. Once for 15 minutes. For 15 minutes. And so, really, and, and, and I will say all in all, this bus ride was not terrible. We had the nice seats. Yeah. The problem was the air conditioner did not work, and I know we said it was cold, but we left. We started going down in altitude. Yes, and so we were winding through the mountains, and the bus got warmer and warmer and warmer, and to the point where it was easily 90, 95 degrees in the bus. Yeah, we were like we were stuck to our seats. Like you're so sweaty, yeah. like you can't. You like we couldn't move. We and, were so sweaty. And the windows don't open on these buses. And then a lady changed her baby's diaper. <sighs> it was, and it smelled like a sewer. It was the worst. And we were going through the mountains, and it was really <laughs> curvy, and it was. We were both not feeling the best. Yeah. Finally, after a while, one of the. Um, so again, these buses have like not flight attendants, bus attendants, and they were walking around in this. They were trying to find a solution, and so she finally they they had the driver open the hydraulic door, and then they jammed some water bottles in it when it shut, so it basically blew a draft through the bus. Yeah, it was and, just open a crack, but it was a lifesaver. That's yeah. all we needed. We needed some sort of air movement. So everything was perfect. The bus was great. We, and then, well, then we stopped for the 15 minutes when we got to the coast, and they fixed the air conditioner. Oh, yeah. And th- that was about 9 o'clock at night, I think, and so we had a few-minute break, and then we were able to get back on the bus and it was nice and cool and we had a smooth sailing trip the rest of the way to Lima overnight where we slept most of the way actually so all in all besides a few miserable hours of sweating it was okay it was a good trip and then we so we arrived in Lima and I only want to make note of this piece because it was something again that was breaking stereotypes that we kind of had and the, we we had an Airbnb set up mm-hmm. that was near the airport but uh, the Airbnb hostess said okay I'll have one of my friends come pick you up at the bus station and we were thinking okay we'll see if this guy shows up or not but he was waiting for us. Yeah, we felt bad. We were pretty late. The we bus were late. was a few hours late, and he had been waiting for us He'd there. He had been but... waiting. So so that was amazing, right, that he waited around. He was super friendly. He had a piece of paper with my name on it, too. Yeah, it was official. <laughs> um, he drove us to the Airbnb, and we stayed... Were we there two nights? Yeah. We stayed two nights there, and... Because the after the second night, our flight was super, super early. Yeah, we wanted to give ourselves enough time in case something happened with the bus. We wanted to make sure yeah. we caught our flight, so we gave ourselves a day extra of time. So so we had the same bus driver was supposed to pick us up, or the same bus driver, the same ta- taxi driver, yeah, just a guy friend. in the car, um, pick us up, and we were, we were super nervous because our flight was at, like, 6 a.m., so he had to pick us up at, like, 4 a.m., Yeah, and... We were again. We were like, okay, well, if he doesn't pick us up, we need to figure out how to get a taxi and all this stuff. And 
right right at exactly the time he was supposed to be there. He was ringing our doorbell and yep, picked, picked us, us up. up, took us straight to the airport, and away we went. Yeah. So we were unnecessarily worried. Yeah, and our Airbnb was great, too. I, yep. She was a great hostess, and we had this cute little bungalow on top of this house near the... On, on the roof of, like, a high-rise. Yeah, well, so. it was, like, three stories up. It wasn't a high-rise. Well, it was higher than the other rises. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, then we flew from Lima over to Sucre, and we'll talk about Sucre uh, not in our next episode, but in the episode after that. What's our next next episode, Chris? Next episode is while we were in Sucre, which again we'll talk about in two episodes. We met a family. Yes. Yeah. A family, a husband, a wife, and their two young kids from Great Britain who have been traveling the world for the last seven, eight months. Mm-hmm. Um, They're home now, but are they? Yeah. Oh, well, look at that. They're home now, but they spent a year, right? Was it a year? Close to. Anyway, I'll have to listen to the episode. <laughs> I was like, you don't remember this, do you? It's been a little while. I'll have to listen to the episode, just like you, to hear. I mean, so yeah, they've been traveling all over South America and Mexico. No. All over South America. <laughs> they started in Cuba. Cuba. <laughs> So, yeah, they they started in Cuba, and then they went down to South America, and they traveled around South America, and they were doing some really neat stuff, trying to pick up trash on the ocean and not use plastic disposable waste. They they weren't using plastic at all throughout their travels. So, anyway, a super cool interview with Ruth about how they've traveled the world with their kids. So, if you want, and you do want, Come back in two weeks and listen to that, and then we will tell you about Sucre after Ruth tells you about everything and tells me about it, too, because apparently I don't remember it. It wasn't that long ago. Anyway, I think that's it. We'll wrap this episode up. Anything else? No, I think go to our website. Look at the pictures. We'll put lots of pictures and stuff in the show notes for this episode. Our website is adventureforgood.com. You can find us on Instagram or Facebook under the handle underscore adventureforgood. I think that's it. So we're done now. Thanks for listening, everyone. You want to listen to the crickets for a minute as we say goodbye? (laughs) Sure. Enjoy. Well, they can't enjoy if you're talking. The nighttime in the jungle. Just shh. We're done? Mm-hmm. Okay. Bye, everyone.